Well, hey, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. You guys know me. Um, thanks for being here. Uh, today, I'm really interested, I'm really excited to share with you our guest. She is the co-author of Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story, which I think is really interesting as a spiritual formation guy. We're going to talk a lot about that. She is Sharon Swing. Sharon, welcome to Halfway There. Well, I am absolutely delighted to have another conversation with you, Eric. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We had lunch um, at that at the New Media Summit we were at back in September. It's been a little while now, but I'm glad to chat with you again. Oh, so glad to be here. <laughs> it was fun to find uh, a fellow spiritual formation person in a context like that. Yeah, I, you know, and when you asked me if I had uh, read The Critical Journey, and um, that's a great place to start, right? Yep. <laughs> and in fact, I pulled it off my bookshelf this morning and it's sitting here and I thumbed through it again. So Yeah, that comes up a lot. We talk about it because the critical journey really helped me figure out some – answer some of the questions I was asking about why don't we grow and what are the – you know, what are the reasons that – People get stuck, or I, you know, we seem to have the same fights in our little church all the time, and nobody ever seems to change. Well, that's a; those are great issues and great questions to talk about, and and um, yeah, it. I think it also explains why churches uh, struggle when yeah. certain people when when people grow in their spiritual faith and then hit a wall, and they don't know right. what to do with people that aren't in step with everything else that's going on and you can't produce programming for those people in masses. Right. It's kind of a one-on-one -on -one journey at that point in time. Oh yeah. Okay. This is awesome. We're already speaking my language. I love it. Can't mass produce spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. So that's great. All right. Well, tell us Sharon a little bit about kind of who you are and what you're doing right now. Well, I am working with Civil Towner on a project that we've been at for almost, uh, let's see, it's almost 18 years now, called Listen to My Life, Maps for Recognizing and Responding to God in My Story. And it's a series of, uh, of what we call visual maps. There are eight of them in the Listen to My Life journey. And it helps people to visually map their life stories for the purpose of recognizing and responding to God for mapping their life visually from eight different perspectives so that we can become self-aware and God aware. Yeah. And we've been, we've been doing this for years and it just seems to work incredibly well. And basically people find out about us by word of mouth primarily and uh, people's God just seems to work through it. And it's just very reliable <laughs> tool for growth. Oh yeah, I love that. How many times, friends, have you said, "I wish there was just a map, right, for what I should do next," <laughs> right? Yeah, and 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 you know, it's kind of funny because of the fact that everybody's on their own journey and their own story, but there are um, there are people who have journeyed before you, and there are journey people who have journeyed before us that can help us find the way forward. Yeah, and um, that. I, you know, can't help but wish that God would engineer a spiritual journey that it's kind of up and to the right, like most Western thinkers think, uh -huh. but it's just not that way. And, um, we do hit really hard spots along the way and disillusioning places and wonder why we believe what we believe. And wait a minute, is this really all there is? And, um, you know, get hit by some tidal wave of, um, of events in our lives that, that shake our faith yeah, and it happens and it is not uncommon and God is still faithful in the midst of it, but trying to find him in the midst of it is really hard sometimes. Amen. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking every story is unique. Every journey is unique, but there are, uh, common, uh, contours of the landscape, right? That, that, That's true. that people go through. And so um, I think your these maps are really amazing. They're beautiful, first of all. And they give you sort of a different perspective than just that, you know, we're moving 
we're moving up and to the right, like you say. So, well, let's come back to those because I want to get into a little bit about how you came up with this idea and, you know, where that, where it comes from and how you've seen people, people use it. But before we do that, I want to hear more about you. So did you, did you, I don't know, you're, you're in Chicago now, but did you grow up there or where, where'd you grow up and tell us about your family growing up? I grew up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Um, I am the daughter of a fighter pilot turned airline pilot with a um, with a incredible uh, force of character and a mom who is supportive and and uh, and just a beautiful human being, I would say, raised to be more on the compliant side. And we attended a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. Uh, growing up, as my mother did as well. And um, so I experienced going through um, a Lutheran school. You know, Lutherans are in- incredible about having amazing educational opportunities mm-hmm. for, you know, preschoolers through eighth grade most of the time. And yep. and uh, so I had a pers- p- particular perspective of God that was handed to me, like all of us have. Right. Even if we've been handed not much of something, we've been handed a story by someone else. Yep. And my interpretation of that story, um, I would say, could be summarized in um, that God was kind of a cosmic line judge that was waiting to tell me if I was in or out of bounds. And uh, that's not true for everyone that, that grew up in that kind of a setting, but that's how I had taken it in. And God was not personal. God, you know, Lutherans very much value right thinking. And uh, which there's nothing wrong with right thinking, but the experience of living seems to get detached from right thinking. Yeah. And yeah, totally. So, so, so that was your experience. It was kind of more in your head, more in your kind of what, what was going on, what, what you should yeah. think, what you should believe. There was a right way to do things and there was a wrong way to do things and there was a right way to believe and there was a wrong way to believe. But yet I have this memory of attending my cousin's baptism. And I was prob I can still remember the little red dress with the with the pinafore that my mom had made. Oh wow. <laughs> that went over the dress, uh, sitting there. And I probably was only like, maybe six years old, maybe seven, I guess. And I remember the just being totally enraptured by this baptism ritual. And the the words that they spoke, I thought to myself, that's what I want my life to look like. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't but I I think looking back, that's my first remembrance of encountering God that was invitational and loving and an indication that there was a way of life that I wasn't, that I wasn't, you know, clear on or whatever else, but the, but there was a significant something that happened in me Yeah, that I think goes beyond being able to be named at that point. Yeah. That's really but, interesting. What, what do you think it was about that service that kind of invited you in? You know, I just, I just, I have this interesting remembrance of experiencing it and then thinking to myself, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget this. And it, I think it was peace and love. Yeah. Interesting. And also the words of promise, probably. I know I, I, I don't remember analyzing it too much. I just had this feeling of being drawn, I would say, in retrospect. Like I said, I couldn't have possibly sure. explained that at the time. Yeah. But then a- I also remember being confirmed in the in the Lutheran church. And I remember kneeling down in front of the pastor, you know, at the front of the church as all the other uh, confirmands were doing. And I remember him speaking the verse that they had chosen for me. And I, and I remember looking at his, it is black shoes, his shiny black shoes peeking out from underneath the, the white robe <laughs> and looking down there and saying, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to forget mm. this. 
Wow, interesting. Okay, so you're so you're having this these experiences. So how how did your faith really become your own beyond the you know kind of Lutheran training that you ever see? Well, that was a long story in between. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, take because fill I, fill I, that I, in then. Yeah, I don't remember anybody having a terribly engaging or in or everybody's faith was so private that nobody talked about it. Oh, interesting. And so, uh, but I was involved in some youth groups and, and all, and it was fun and it was, you know, community and all that stuff. Went to college and, uh, basically no, nobody I knew was going to go to church on Sunday. So I didn't either. And it wasn't like I was being rebellious and stopped going to church. It was just not things people did. And, um, but then I, you know, definitely took some left turns many of them along the way. And, but then I remember when my 21st birthday, I was working in an advertising agency at the time as, as well as going to school. And I was just finishing my, my senior year. I mean, it was just after I finished my senior year in college. And, um, I met, I had a meeting with somebody. I don't even remember what the meeting was about, but this, this guy, he, I can't remember what he said to me, but he, something that he said was reminding me of God's love for me. And I don't remember if it was a question he asked or what, but it brought me to tears. And he invited me to church the next day. And it was a very, very charismatic church, which was very much outside the tradition I grew up in. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's like the opposite and, end. Yeah. And I, and I just, I just had, this I sat in the back and just cried the whole time. Don't remember anything about specifically about what went on. And then but I but I for some reason I couldn't quite I couldn't quite re-engage there and I, I was just on a lost state, what can I say? And then but later on, after I had um graduated gotten married, marriage in trouble, uh, long story short, ended up at my sister and brother-in-law's in Wichita, Can- no, 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 in Garden City, Kansas. And uh, they invited me to go with them to a full gospel businessmen's association meeting, which my brother-in-law was was teaching a small piece at that night. And um, it's a very charismatic crowd. And it's full gospel business men's association meeting. And it was, so the women were kind of, but the women were allowed to be there, but it was definitely a men's group kind of a thing. It was very interesting that that the women were invited to, I thought, to something like that. But anyway, one of the speakers told this crazy story about, uh, about, you know, believing God at face value and that healing is available and, um, and and he right as as he was a new Christian, he and his wife owned a um, uh, a hardware store, and you know they read in God's word that you know anoint people with oil and and uh, and this guy comes in one day and needs healing from a goiter that's that's just huge on his neck, and so they grab a can of linseed oil and dump it over his head and pray for him, and the next day he comes back and the goiter's gone. Oh wow. <laughs> And I'm like, what is going on here? You know, they, they told one kind of crazy story after another, crazy sounding to a, to this Missouri Synod Lutheran kid. And then he made an invitation, and I don't remember going up there, uh, but I remember grabbing my sister's hand and just kind of being there. And then, so I would I would say that that was kind of a, if you would, you know, now I don't understand it the same way, but. Uh, but there was a conversion experience. There was another step in my faith journey that was taken at that point in time. And I remember thinking, what am I doing here? And then all these people start speaking in tongues around me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, I mean, this is kind of a, and, and laying their hands on me and, and all, and I thought, what a, I mean, in retrospect, what a crazy experience for a Missouri Synod Lutheran kid. Yeah, and, totally. And, and then my sister later that night says, so now what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to go to Willow Creek Community Church. And she says, well, what do you know about the place? I said, nothing. (laughs) Wow. 
Well, so and, and so I showed up the next weekend. <laughs> okay. We and got, so we, that was very different than both of those kinds of experiences of being growing up Lutheran and then having a charismatic experience and then and then landing there. Yeah, totally. Okay. But I want to know more about your this whole thing with uh, you know the service and you're seeing the sort of charismatic things going on. And you said something changed, like there was some sort of step that was taken, some sort of conversion there for you. What, I mean, how, take us into like, what was that? What was it that you like went, oh, okay, this is different now. I think from growing up around the Missouri Synod Lutheran influence and taking away from that in my own perspective, that it was about right knowing and right knowledge and right speaking and right doing, to have a complete different experience of, uh, well, experience, an experience of God yeah, um, was just undoing to me. And it rattled me because it was, what, what am I experiencing here? This doesn't fit my box. And, you know, over the faith journey, God keeps telling us or helping us to experience that our box for God is way too small and we got to have some elbow room. <laughs> then we get, get a bigger box and then we figure out that's not big enough yet. <laughs> and it's not big enough yet. It's not big enough yet. And that's kind of the story, my story. And I think it's from my experience of listening to a lot of people's stories, that's what keeps happening. Our picture of God is so small and so confined to what we've been handed and then what we want to think and how we process things. And then God kind of blows the sides off of it on a regular basis. Well, sometimes it's years in between, right? Yeah, totally. But the box is never going to be big enough. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is so fascinating. Okay. So you had a spiritual experience. <laughs> Very much so. That changed, that kind of adjusted your heady experience that you had previously. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I enjoy about the, about that particular sequence of events is that God always met me mm, yeah. very invitationally and uh, lovingly and mm. also humorously. <laughs> He's got this winsome way of, drawing me into the unknown. Wow. And that's also my experience from listening to many other people's stories is that God is more inviting and more winsome than we could possibly ever imagine. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've given us a few examples, I guess, of how God has, has met you invitationally. Mm -hmm. um, is there you know, and winsomely, I guess. I think that is really interesting because some of my experience has been kind of similar where I thought, in fact, one of the ways that I know that it's God is if I'm laughing. If I, <laughs> if I hear something, like if it makes me laugh, I'm like, oh, that, that's the Lord. But, yeah, because sometimes we're, we're praying and asking a question or asking for something or whatever, and we're, we're so just asking the wrong question. Right. Or asking for something that's not really what we need. And, and then... God just all of a sudden does something that we realize how far off track we were, and, but yet does it in a way that makes us laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually kind of cool about him. Like, I don't know if that comes through in most of the preaching experiences that I've had or listened to. Right. Like, I don't know if his character of his humor comes out. Yeah. I really, I think that is one of the things I don't hear as as much about in general, like teaching in, in Christendom and writing and stuff. But yet when I'm in conversation with people about their stories mm. and the things that happen, that's often how it rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Okay, friends. So this might be a really good reason why experience needs to be added to our repertoire of what we, how we learn about who God is. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. Get me on that topic for a <laughs> while. Um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, there's, um, there's a book called The Listening Heart by David Stiller Rast, uh, I believe is, is the correct title, uh, the correct name. I'm sometimes blanking on those, but he, but he specifically walks through the, the various different senses we've been given and how they're specifically designed to help us experience God. Oh, that sounds pretty interesting. All right. I'll put and, a link to that in the. Yes. That one, that's, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. And, and one of the things that is in the introduction of that book is, um, the phrase original blessing. And, Many people have heard original sin, that phrase, but they haven't heard original blessing. Yeah. And the whole idea that, you know, their Genesis 1 through 3 is all about original blessing, then there's the fall, right? So yeah. you've got the Old Testament that kind of describes what it's, what it's like when we're, when we're not living in step with who God made us to be and how he designed things to go. Right. And, but yet this original blessing is what, is what Jesus, the Christ came for, lived to show us how to be in step with that original blessing. Yeah, absolutely. I say it all the time. The gospel starts in Genesis one, not in Genesis three. So it starts with God's goodness and his creation not with sin. Sin is a factor, of course, but it's not the only thing. And sometimes we start the gospel there and we get a very different impression of who God is because of that. Exactly. So if, if, if we start to believe that God is an angry God, um, we're at a starting point that is going to put us in a position of resisting right. getting to know God Yeah, totally. as opposed to the invitation that it is because of the loving being that God is. God is first and foremost defined by that love and his Mm -hmm. drawing us toward him. And it has been twisted in many different ways in history to um, tell us how awful we are and how we need to behave differently and how we need to, as opposed to saying there is a way to live that brings life and more life and more joy and more peace, and more laughter. And this is how we're designed to, to live. And there are all kinds of ways to live outside of that and to keep pain in circulation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it, it, so, yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> I do. I, I love that. I, I could probably keep going about that topic, but I want to hear more about you. So, um, what, so you, you decide you have this experience, you go back to, uh, Chicago suburbs and you say, I'm going to Willow Creek. Now, why did you decide to go to Willow Creek? What was that about? That was a, that's a great question. Cause that's exactly what my sister, my sister asked me. And I said, <laughs> I have no idea. I'm just supposed to go. Oh, and wow. she said, okay, that's your first lesson in listening to the Holy spirit. Oh, wow. When you don't understand why you know you're supposed to do something and you just know that you do, that you, that that's what is supposed (laughs) to happen, just do it no matter if it makes sense or not. And I, that, that's probably one of the most profound spiritual lessons that I've ever been given is that because that still small voice is active. It is real. It is so present. And so many times we just write it off or ignore it. Well, where did that thought come from or whatever? And just pass it by. And oh my goodness, the profound things that have happened in my life when I really, really, really pay attention. Totally. And, um, I found, I found too, and I I don't know if this was your experience, but I found that oftentimes when those things come up, if they're really from the Lord, they don't, they won't go away. I mean, maybe there are ones that are from the Lord and they do go away, but the ones he really wants me to do tend to stick around. I think we catch on to them more when we follow them. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) We get more of, of those kinds of, of whispers that uh, I I think Mm. if I, I think I've ignored a lot of them, Eric, I think I've had those those whispers that I that that somewhere inside me I knew I discounted them 
I explained them away or whatever. And I think the window of opportunity to act closes. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So what do we do with that, Sharon? Like I'm, cause this really, this is one of those things about our tradition that bothers me deeply. Like what, cause it frustrates me that, um, like I've, that I'd never learned any of this. I have degrees from really good schools, evangelical schools. Right. Uh, and that nobody ever teaches you this. Like, what do we do with that? I know well, it's a big question. I don't expect you to solve the entire, you know, well, but, but, problem, I, I but it's important when, when, but I think the basis of a lot of it is when we separate faith from daily experience. Mm, yeah. And, um, the subtitle of, of this, these materials that I wrote with Sybil are, is maps for recognizing and responding to God in my story. It's not just the past and it's not just planning the future. It's actually in the here and now, which is the only place where I can respond to God. It's the only place where I have that choice. Yeah. And if I spend my life getting better at that, I have a feeling that'll be a good life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And, and, And I just don't think we know and I, I think a lot of really good thinkers have said a lot of words um, to elevate our thinking, but not deepen our experience mm. necessarily. There are some that bridge that gap very, very well. True. Okay. So you went to Willow Creek. So did mm-hmm. you go the next week? Like you, the next? Yeah. Uh, next, next Sunday I showed up and I can tell you about what chair I sat in and listened to a message that seemed to be specifically wow. designed for me. And I had a lot of years of very, very profound growth there and um, ended up working for the Willow Creek Association uh, for a stretch. And and actually when that job came to, when, when I had to step away from that, I, it was a hair on fire job. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I had a very young son and there were just a lot of factors that converged, but it, it, it came time that I had to recognize that this was not going to be, um, although that's it, there was also a piece of what happened at, at Willow at a certain point in time that it was, you know, if you were going to go into ministry, that was kind of like a step up in your spiritual, it's like stepping up in your spiritual game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and a lot of times people have that that bifurcation between everybody else and people that go into ministry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so damaging in so, so, so many ways to think that, because then do you think God cares less about the guy that sells used cars for a living mm, yeah. than he does about a pastor? Really? You think? You think he cares more about how a lawyer does his job or a pastor does his job or that used car salesman does his job. You know, I think God has something to say to all of us about all about it all. Yeah. All of us have different callings, but there's not a spiritual step up. Right. And, and I, so when I left, I was, I was reeling with this, this sense that I had blown it somehow. Like I had, I had my, you know, period of time where I could, where I could be in ministry. But then so if I saw that as a step up, then if, when, when you leave, when you oh. quit, then is that a step down? <laughs> yeah. So what did you do with that? Was that, was this, uh, was it problematic for you or how, what, what, oh, how that you? I, I could, I could share journals full of, of, of unraveling that and how long it took to get clear on that, the, that my paradigm was so screwed up that I had been led to think that somehow there's spiritual rungs on this ladder or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. And, and so, but I had experienced life story work three times prior to that. So by this time I'm, I'm mid thirties and in my twenties and, uh, in my twenties, three times I had experienced life story work. I guess two of those are in my twenties. One was one was in my thirties. All three, all three of those times, 
Um, even just simple exercises of mapping your, you know, like putting a timeline out in the highs and the lows, um, were profound experiences for me in getting clarity and yeah. like getting a handle on my storyline again. It's almost like, have you ever been reading a book and you flip a few pages? And, I mean, and you, you're reading forward and then you realize that your mind has been elsewhere for the last few pages and you have to kind of, and you, and, and you read something and it's like, wait a minute, how'd that happen? Or what's going on here? Yeah. And you have to go back a few pages to kind of pick it up. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of it is entirely possible to lose the handle on your own storyline. Entirely possible. And to lose the plot. <laughs> right, right. And then that's a dangerous place to be. It's a disorienting place to be. Yeah. Um, because then you're you're in the midst of normal crisis of identity. And direction. And to regain a handle on your storyline is an incredible gift. And so long story short, I'm an organization development consultant by trade. And um, I was doing a project for a client in New York. And I had contact, I, I got on the website of, a, of an organization that had provided resources, the Grove Consultants in California. And they had paired up and they do... Um, when I do consulting work, I do, I, I take a, a graphic recorder with me. So I'll facilitate the meeting. And then I have a person who actually illustrates the meetings and words and pictures on large pieces of paper, like four foot high, oh, wow. eight foot long. And we, we basically draw the meeting out in a way that, that helps people hear, see what they're saying yeah. and stay on the same page. And basically you got a storyboard of the, of the meeting when you're done. Why did you do that? Why did I do? What? Why did Why did you Why did you start taking somebody like that with you? Like what? That's because that's curious. That's really well. I, I did I did my master's in organization development, and I and I had done a few other things when I was working for Square D Company and all that. That graphic recording was a piece of some of what uh, had been okay. done, and I became friends with a graphic recorder and the power of of using these visual maps to help people sort through ambiguity yeah. is very powerful. And as a facilitator, you can actually move a group about three times faster oh, if you actually use visuals in this kind of way. And um, so sometimes you create metaphors, uh, maps of a journey or whatever, and then you actually ask people various different questions that are, they're associated with all those things. And so I was very familiar with all of that. I contacted the Grove to get some resources for my client that I was going to be working with. And I saw that they had teamed up with a life, uh, with a life coach and done a visual life mapping kind of a, of a piece of materials. And I got all excited about it because I was definitely at a point in time where I was at a crossroads again and needed to figure out what my next steps were. And so I had, um, I ordered these things and started going through them. And my son was very young at the time. He was he was preschool age. He still, part of the reason my hair was on fire in my job because I was trying to be the mom to a really young child. Yeah, <laughs> I was working way too many hours and everything else. So I would take I would take him to the McDonald's playroom, <laughs> and I'd sit there and 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 keep working on my visual maps. And Sybil Towner was the director of spiritual mentoring at Willow Creek at that point in time. And we had become friends and I was doing strategic planning for her mentoring ministry. And, um, and we always had more people that wanted to be mentored than we had mentors. And we'd approach mentor, potential mentors. And they would say, well, I was never mentored. I don't know what that looks like. But then if we showed them these visual materials they go, Oh, I could listen to somebody's story. Yeah, I could do that. And, but the, the original materials from the Grove were, were very, it was kind of a, you are the center of the universe kind of oriented piece. And I knew that, that we would want to incorporate spiritual practices and, um, and listening and all, which was, uh, which was a kind of a mashup of the things that Sybil and uh, Susan Shadid was was were teaching in in the mentoring ministry classes and all, and so we got permission to do a derivative product from the Grove to produce Listen to My Life, 
And um, that's how we put together this combination of life mapping and spiritual practice um, and and community and, and teaching people listening skills to be able to listen to the stories of others. Yeah, really cool. And huh. so it came out of my own story and being at another crossroads and God kind of leading me toward <laughs> the different parts and pieces to have them converge in this thing. And so we produced the first materials and I mean, we, we talked about it for a while and we worked on it for a while, but then Sybil scheduled us to actually teach a class on Friday mornings. Um, and we had, I don't remember, it was almost a hundred women, if I remember correctly. And we would, we were actually had to finish them then. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no uh, doubt. Nothing like a schedule to, to do that for you. A bunch of people waiting for you. So we'd print one, one map with the instructions and everything at a time, uh, one for each class. And they would actually be warm when we handed them out because they'd just come off the, 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 the printer. Wow. <laughs> the church. And so we, good news is we had a bunch of guinea pigs and we told them, you know, please, you know, tell us where the typos are, tell us where it's not clear. And so we had a focus group more or less of, you know, whole crowd of people. And so since 2000, well, we started this project in 2002, probably, and, uh, and actually produced the first stuff in 2005 and we've been at it ever since. And here we are at 2019. Yeah. Believe it or not. And it still has life and it still has this incredible power to help people to recognize and respond to God in their stories that is it it it's not just a it's not just a study. It it reorients people to a way of a way of life. Yeah. So walk us through how it does that and then what are some of the results that you see? Like maybe just maybe uh, I should slow down. I speak for a living. <laughs> maybe um uh, tell us a story about how somebody has somebody's life has been changed that you've seen through this. Oh gosh, there are so many. How do you choose over the years? Um, some of the some of the shifts in perspective that that people get. Um, our friend Bonnie, when she went through her, she's been caring for her aging mom for almost twenty years now, in her home. And she was always longing for when there would be a time in her life when she could re-engage in ministry. And God clearly showed her through her life story and through just the spiritual practices and all that her ministry was exactly where she is right now. Mm, wow. Caring for her mom. Ministry was not outside of what she was already doing. Yeah. So by going through the map, she realized... Hey, this is actually where God wants me right now. And where I can find joy and fulfillment mm -hmm. and an expression of who God made me to be uniquely. Wow. So, and so it was her mom and dad for, for quite a few years. Her dad passed away a few years ago. So some, so that's, so sometimes it's a, it's a sh seismic shift in perspective from discontent to contentment. Ah, uh, Interesting. And for, well, another woman uh, went through the process at 70 years old and decided God was not finished with her yet and signed up for a two-year missionary stint in India. Oh, wow. And then there's another guy that I worked with, uh, a leader um, of a very large ministry, walked through the maps together, um, and he really got underneath the issues that led to his, um, poor self-care and his, um, his addition, the additional weight he had put, put on mm -hmm. over years and his shame, um, for it, it, that's associated with that and how he was training leaders. But every time he stood up in front of leaders, he felt like a fraud because of the fact that his self-care was not what it should be. Wow. And so I'm hearing clarity comes from visualizing and, and putting your life together like this. Um, is clarity that, is definitely one of the benefits. I mean, yeah. my, my personal mission statement is to be a catalyst 
for generative change. That's my mission, the vision statement. My mission statement is to help people articulate their intentions and live them out. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this helps you. And, and it, so that it, it's the, the aspect of articulating our intentions and living them out. Um, sometimes our intentions are are very, maybe they're career focused, maybe they're um, way of life focused, maybe they are health focused, maybe, you know, all of those different things. And on our first map, we start, we start to, to kind of hint at this thing. The first map in the series is the my life now map. And we ask a question on there, what's your lingering question? And the lingering question we, we, we explain is, is that question that lingers under the surface um, that's kind of always hanging around. Um, maybe it's one question that you'd like to ask God, you'd like, really like an answer for. And so we ask people to go through the process of, of identifying that question or questions and kind of digging down underneath them a little bit and then asking them to carry that question forward through the my life story map which is the second one peak experiences valley experiences reviewing my days and then desires and longings and life-giving rhythms and a map called following forward which is looking forward that lingering question kind of provides the thread through it all because whatever questions we're holding is the opening where we can in we can invite God into a conversation or actually recognize that God is already having a conversation with us about that question. Yeah. Say that again. I love that. So our question is the, is the invitation from God to engage the conversation that he wants to have with us about who we are. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know that. exactly how I said it. That's okay. That, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, I just wanted <laughs> to restate it because that was like, that's, that's huge. That's a, that's like a, um, isn't that a good nugget? It is. I love it, friends. I hope I hope that inspires you. So, what question came to your mind when you know when Sharon was describing the you know the question that is going to go through all of these things? What is it underneath there that's always in the back of your mind? I I know it. Like I I knew exactly. I know what my question is. Most so, people do when wow. when you describe what it is, something comes comes up. Would you mind sharing what question came to mind? Yeah. Hey, I ask the questions around here. No, just oh, kidding. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. I'm, just, I'm so bad at being interviewed sometimes because I spend my life asking questions. You're, you're so. a spiritual director. I'm just kidding. I'm totally just, I've always wanted to say that. Um, so for me, it was, am I good enough? Right? Is it, am I good enough to do this or have this position or do this thing or um, share this material, you know? Yeah. And what do you sense God might be whispering to you in the, in the midst of that question? Um, he's He's leading me on a journey of, of accepting that I'm good enough. And uh, I think that was a good question. So my, one of my thoughts while you were talking was I need to spend some time asking him that question, right. And just letting without an agenda and just letting him answer it for a while. Um, I think would be a good idea. Not a bad idea at all. And in fact, I just think those are the open door invitations to them. Some of the most profound encounters we can have with God. Yeah. Because as you well know, theologically, he's already answered that question. Right, right, totally. It's, our, it's already done. What God thinks of us is done. But that process of learning um, and identifying it and bringing that into who we are is sanctification, right? It's that, yeah, it's and, that growth. And Sybil, my co-author, always has a phrase of living into, yeah, <laughs> living right. into that idea right. that you are enough. Because what if we actually believed what God says is true of us? What if we actually believed that he made us just as he did for a purpose because he loves us just the way we are and there's nothing more we could ever do to earn any more love and he already gave us the equipment you are the equipment as the, the in the message version that the the in the story where Jesus is is sending his disciples out the phrasing is you are the equipment mm, <laughs> you know? yeah it's like what if we actually believed it 
Because, I mean, quite honestly, Eric, I mean, we just launched our podcast too. And this is a vulnerable thing to do. And none of these questions ever seem to get answered completely. But somehow in the asking of them, we can um, we can find the courage for the next step. Can I go back to the question about differences that people have experienced yeah, in, in doing the process? Because I, I got a story I just got to tell. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we've got a facilitator. We have lots of facilitators that use these materials with other people. We equip facilitators to do that. So sometimes they're spiritual directors or coaches or counselors or church professionals or just regular ordinary people that know that this is their lane. (laughs) And one of our facilitators is, her name is Linda Hayner, and she serves under prison fellowship at the Shakopee Correctional Center in Minnesota. And she takes, she has a team of people now that lead people through Listen to My Life as part of the Fellowship Academy, the Prison Fellowship Academy. And so you've got these prisoners who have stories. You don't know what they are. Yeah. And you help them to map their life stories and help them to recognize and respond to God in their stories. Incredibly intriguing concept. Uh to take a bunch of people that have very, very limited choices, right? And open up the possibility that they that they really do have a lot more choices than they think. Um, or somehow God has something in this, even this, for them. Oh, wow. That's so, powerful. So I went to go, uh, to go visit, because how could you not go visit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, we got to Linda was was use, was facilitating a session and they just introduced me as a guest. Um, they didn't know who I was, uh, but then after they were they were getting they were we were getting ready to to share uh, in the listening sessions because there's always a listening session involved. So people work on their maps in between sessions and then they come and listen to one another. Um, it's, so if you're doing it as a group. Uh, and so I got put in a group with with um, with two women that I could be sitting knee to knee with in any church setting. And other than the fact that they had their prison clothes on, they're no different than you and me, right? They're human beings that are made in the image of God. Right. And so we they they had already completed the process but Linda had them rework the my life now map so their session was 9 months long they had gone through all the materials so they had redone the my life now map because after a period of time your my life now map changes quite a bit right if mm. you did one 6 months ago or whatever and did another one now it would be different yeah and so she, this woman starts talking and she says well my first lingering question from nine months ago was, can I endure this? She said, I was kicking and screaming at the walls around here. I was angry and bitter and I was so high strung. I was on all kinds of anti-anxiety medications, just which everybody around here is on. And she said, I just didn't, I, I couldn't even focus. And she said, now I'm actually really calm. I'm off all of my anti-anxiety medications. And um, my new lingering question is, how much good can I do today? Wow. And immediately, I mean, tears are streaming down my face. And I'm supposed to listen without verbal response. And she looks at me and goes, I made you cry. <laughs> and I said, yes. And she says, well, why? I said, only because that's probably the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. She goes, Really? why is that? I said, because I know a lot more people out there that aren't as free as you are in here. Wow. And I immediately thought to myself, then what is a prison and how many have I erected in my own brain, in my Mm. own life? Yeah, that's a question. Big one, huh? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) That's, that's a good one to ask. Oh my goodness. And so, but God had me on quite the journey because we were hitting a really hard spot with, with listen to my life. And we always make enough money to, to, to keep the whole thing moving, but barely, 
if we don't pay ourselves for the most part, a lot of times. Oh, wow, yeah. Because we invest so much more into trying to help it grow a lot of times. And uh, when you're working in the Christian market, you can't charge that much for, you know, the fee, our fee for value exchange is really strong, all I can say. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> and, and so... The, in the, I was just hitting a really, really hard spot in the midst of this and going, okay, is it just time to put this down? This just feels too hard, God. Like, just tell me. Like, a burning bush would be really, really good right now. That was kind of, as my, as, and I'm thinking to myself, the six hour drive up to Shakopee is going to, the, I mean, I, I'm going to have some conversations with God here. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and so that's how I entered into this experience. And I walked out of there going, okay, there is no way we can stop doing what we're doing. Wow. (laughs) Every story of somebody who actually engages in what we do is nothing short of astounding. Yeah, that is super powerful. Okay. So, when people do this, they do they do it in groups, it sounds like? Well, that's part of the good news, bad news part of this thing. It's a little uh, – it's so flexible that people can do it themselves. Gotcha. I would always recommend doing it with a spiritual friend at least. Yep. Um, so you have – because you, you really do need to share your story because you need to hear yourself say it. Yeah. And the- you need to be able to, in the midst of that, sense the still small voice of God working on it. So it could be done one-on-one, can be done with a spiritual friend. It can be done in a small group. Um, it can be done, um, in, you know, coaches, counselors, spiritual directors use it one-on-one or in groups or in workshops. Um, we've also taken more than a hundred people through it at once. And then we had table groups and then we had listening groups of three within those tables. So we had a small group size and then we had a listening group size um, within that experience. So it's, it's really, really, really flexible. And like I said, there are eight maps in the process and it can be gone through. The whole thing can be gone through or um, individual maps can be purchased in bulk by facilitators to do a, like a, a, a half day workshop on one particular map for example. Oh, very cool. And, but the secret sauce of the whole thing is the listening guidelines. Um, and the listening guidelines help us to actually be present to another person in service to them so that they might hear the Holy Spirit. That was huge. I actually was reading through this introduction here today, and you have an article in here called Three-Way Listening. Mm-hmm. About how pretty good stuff, so, huh? It was really good stuff. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll just describe it a little bit. But it was, you know, you have this Venn diagram, and one one circle is the Holy Spirit, another circle is the listener, and then the other circle is the speaker. And that space in between is holy ground. That's the place where all three of us meet. And it, you're really describing spiritual direction here, right? How how you engage um, and help listen with someone else for the Holy Spirit. That kind of listening can happen in Holy in, in, in spiritual direction for sure, but also in coaching and counseling and yeah. friendships and in marriages. And it's not reserved for the professionals. We can all true, learn to do this true. and they're not that hard, but well, that's what yeah, I liked whole, about it. Whole, so in that Venn diagram, you've got the, the listener, the speaker and the Holy Spirit, right? So the so the listener is listening in service to the other person so that they might hear God. So actually, the the center ground of the holy ground experience that you might have together is is pretty neat. But the goal is actually the space between the Holy Spirit and the speaker. Mm-hmm. That's that's the space that we are listening in service to. Yeah, so that they can the person who's speaking can see what God's up to in their life. And yeah, and surprisingly enough, when you read the, the, the listening guidelines, there's just not a whole lot for us as speakers to say in the midst of all of <laughs> right, that. Right. Cause you're listening. <laughs> Cause you're listening. <laughs> it's mostly training people to very actively listen in silence. Yes. Wow. Which is a lost art and can certainly be practiced more often and better. So I, I loved when I saw that in there. Um, so friend Sharon, how can people find it? I want to, I want to just share with our friends where they can get it, what the best way for them might be to engage with this map. If it sounds intriguing, 
it sounds like something God might be leading them to, what's, what's the best way for them to find it? Uh, onelifemaps.com. That's O-N-E-L-I-F-E-M-A-P-S.com, onelifemaps.com. On the homepage there, you can actually download that PDF, uh, a PDF of that introduction booklet that, in, that contains that article that you just mentioned, Derek. Um, uh, for free. You can download Perfect. that for free. You'll get all kinds of information off of that homepage, which we're in the process of, of, uh, of reworking right now. So, um, hopefully we're hoping maybe by late next week or so we'll have the new website live. Um, right now our website isn't, it, something happened and it's not terribly, uh, mobile friendly. So we're oh, sure. redoing it all. And, um, but please, if you, if you get to us before then, um, you know, hang with us. The, the information's worth having. What, look at it on your computer or your tablet if you have a chance. Um, but yes, yeah, so we'll also, um, I've got an article that I wrote for Conversations Journal, um, okay. the Red of Our publication that unfortunately is no longer, I believe, um, that is about Listen to My Life. And so what I'll do is, um, is if you go to onelifemaps.com slash um, halfway there, um, we will, I'll also give you the download of that particular article. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. All right, friends. So you can go there as well. One lifemaps.com slash halfway there, get that article. You can also just one lifemaps.com pick up, um, a packet. This thing, it was cool. When it arrived at my house, I was like, this is awesome. You open it up and it's got all these maps in it and they're beautiful. They really are um, just a a really good visual representation of of what uh, is going on in your life, man. So it sounds like you can you can grab a friend and do this. You could do it in your small group. Um, you could even get certified if you wanted to to do a become a facilitator if that's something God's put right. on your heart. And I don't know when this when this is airing, but uh, at the end of January here, we're doing a virtual group as well. We're doing oh, cool. a virtual coaching group, and that is absolutely phenomenal. I get so excited about having a virtual coaching group that I do along with our director of facilitator development, uh, Joan Kelly. Um, and we have a couple different parts and pieces to that, that, uh, you get the maps and then you, you work through them, um, in your own time. And then we create listening groups within the, within the crowd and then we have group calls. So every, it's like a small group meeting we have on the phone. There's two different times of day that you can choose between. And then there's also an online coaching portal so that um, there's various different questions that after you've completed those particular steps of, of doing the map yourself and then being listened to and uh, um, then to, to respond to these, to these questions and I'm the only one that can see your responses to those questions. And then I can ask further questions or respond to your, to your, um, to your posts there. And so that's a one-on-one -on -one virtual coaching, um, platform that I've got. And the stuff that happens in the midst of all that is just amazing. And the friendships that get built because people are sharing their stories with one another. Yeah. Um, is just, just makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's the way that's oftentimes community is the thing that really brings the joy, right? Right. right. And then we learn so much from each other's stories because so many times we couldn't have planned who gets, right. who, how people get paired up or whatever, what their stories are, but then people find commonalities in their storylines and something one of them says is so related to the other person's story. And yet it, it's almost like God gives them a different perspective on their own story because they've listened to another. Mm. And it's just the way things all come together is that kind of only God thing that yeah. happens. <laughs> He's good like that. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. And he can orchestrate those kinds of events and does all the time. I deeply believe that. Right. And, and, and since we're, our, our 
deal is to help people recognize and respond to God in, in our stories. And we're doing this. We recognize a lot of them right. <laughs> as they're happening. Yeah, totally. So, and then by the way, spiritual practices are all woven into this process as well. Um, so we want to introduce people to, uh, Lexio Divina and we yeah. want people to be introduced to breath prayer. We want to, you know, we, we want to introduce people to, to some of these practices that can be so life giving. We want to, our big, we just want to be invitational in that. Just invite people in. There's no shame, no guilt, no shoulds or have tos or whatever else. It's just a grace-filled invitation to engage in your story for the purpose of of recognizing. Actually, we say recognize and, sp- and respond to God in your story, but what you're going to find out is that you're going to be found in God's story. Mm, yes, I love that. I think the goal of the spiritual journey is to find yourself in Christ. Yes, to find yourself in the story that he's telling. Oh, amen. Okay, Sharon, I love this. I think I could talk to you for like three hours and we would have a lot to say. We should do it again sometime. (laughs) Um, I love it. Friends, again, you can go to onelifemaps.com slash halfway there to get that special article. And uh, I would love if you would do that and um, pick up up a, a set of maps and do it with a friend. I think it would be a worthwhile experience. Sharon, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Oh, Eric, I want to do it again and ask you some questions. Okay. Well, let's do it. I'll come on your show. Let's do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm writing a few things. Uh, friends yep. probably hear about it. I'd love to share it with your, your audience too. And yeah, just, I, I really want to leave people with the idea that um, God probably isn't who you think he is and you aren't either. Um, to borrow from the subtitle of a, a good book called The Cure. Um, he's better than you think he is. He's more loving than you think he is. He is um, more all-encompassing than you can imagine. And I'm only learning. It's an ever-expanding view of who God mm-hmm. is. And... Um, Come on a journey with us. Amen. Amen. You cannot exhaust knowledge of an infinite God. Yes, knowledge of or experience of. Absolutely. Amen. Hey, Sharon, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks, Eric.